Praise God. Now, the, there's healing in the Word of God, even for marriages. Amen? Not just healing for bodies. There's a power and healing in the Word of God. And you know, all of our marriages can be brought into greater perfection. Amen. And so, and, I, and so I'm believing that you have good marriages in this church, but I know that there's not a marriage in this church that doesn't need perfected. Amen. And so those of you that aren't married in, in this room, God's getting you ready to be married. Amen. Things you ought to know about marriage before you go into it. And you'll do better than we have done. Than all of us have done because we didn't know, did we? Did y'all know anything 27 years ago or however long? That's how long we've been married, I think. Anyway, something like that. 28, I think, in August. Hallelujah. But I didn't know anything. Did y'all know anything? Did you know anything, Kathleen and Lawrence? Y'all didn't know a thing, did you? I mean, it's just the grace of God, isn't it? It's the grace of God. Hallelujah on us. But we know more now. Well, I'm going to take a little bit different course tonight than I have been taking. We've been talking a lot about submission. That every the heaven and the home is what we're talking about. That every home has a submissive wife. Every godly home has a submissive wife and what that means. And that every... Um, a godly home has a, a husband that loves like Christ loved the church. Amen. So we're going to go a little bit different route tonight. I believe you've caught on to that. So if you would, I want to talk tonight about how marriage is a covenant. I want to start there and we'll go into some other things. How marriage is a covenant. And I want, and, and the proof of that, and we don't have time tonight to go into all the ins and outs of what covenant means, but we know that, that God's big into this covenant thing, isn't He? Yeah. And he, he makes covenants. He made a covenant with Adam. Right after the fall, he, he made a covenant in the garden and he cut covenant with Adam. Blood is shed where there's a covenant and he cut covenant with Adam. He cut the hide off of those animals after Adam had fallen and put those covered Adam and Eve with blood. Amen. And, and got the blood on them because without the blood, there's no remission of sin. And so we have uh, God throughout the Bible. He cut covenant with Abraham and we know the Abrahamic covenant is still in effect today. Amen. And so God is a covenant God. He thinks in terms of covenant. And to prove to you that marriage is a covenant, I want you to go to Malachi chapter 2 and we're going to look in verse 14. Now, uh, there is so much information about marriage in the Bible and there's so many directions to go, so I'm just going to be led by the Holy Ghost. And so if you say, well, she didn't say this about that verse or she didn't say that because you have a revelation, well, that's okay. I may not cover every detail about every verse. I'm just going to be led by the Spirit because if we just tried to cover every verse, we'd be here for the next 10 years teaching on marriage because there's a lot of revelation in the Word concerning marriage. So Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 and he's talking to Israel here, and he is um, Israel was continually uh, backsliding and doing what they weren't supposed to do, wasn't he? And so he's addressing that situation, and it says, "Yet ye say, wherefore? Because and he, uh, in other words, he he told them, uh, you aren't doing right, and they're saying, okay, where did we not do right? Okay, so he said, so it starts with wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy command, yet is she thy companion, and the wife of thy covenant." So I wanted to show you there in verse 14 how uh, God calls uh, her the wife of His covenant. And so marriage is a covenant. Amen? And so uh, we need to understand that. If we're going to get uh, heaven in the home, we're going to have to understand that when we enter into marriage, we're, we're doing something more than, than most people realize. Yeah. Amen? And if we realized it was a covenant, we would probably have more success at it. 
Amen. And so marriage is a covenant, and a, a covenant is always made with words. And, and so that's why we have a marriage ceremony, and we say that they said their vows. Actually, what they did is they spoke, and the covenant was made. Amen. And so we commit in, a, in marriage, and we're in covenant, and there's no 50-50 in a covenant. In any kind of covenant, there's no 50-50. So there can't be 50-50 in marriage. If I'm in covenant with you, I, you are 100% mine and I am 100% yours. Amen. Amen? So it's a 100% thing. You're 100% mine and I'm 100% yours. You know, God is, I'm in covenant with Almighty God and He's 100% mine and I am 100% His. Thank Amen? He didn't half save me. My spirit's not half saved. Amen. I didn't get half born again. You know? And we need to get quit being half married too. Or kind of married or however, you know. No, we, we are in covenant and so we come before and it's best if, you know, um, we, you know, it's good for there to, there's, there's spiritual impartation to being married by a man of God. Amen. Now, sometimes we didn't understand that back in our earlier days and we went down to JP or we went across state line and just got somebody up in the middle of the night that could do it. It don't take nothing to marry people. Most people don't understand that, but you can literally send off in the mail for some sort of license. You think that the thing that some you think the state of Alabama and the or I started to say state of Texas that they're checking that marriage license to see who signed the bottom of them. They don't give a rip. Jim Strain, you could sign the bottom of them. You could sign the do- it don't matter. Nobody's checking anything. Anybody can marry anybody. I mean, that's just really how it is. You don't have to have a license. You don't have to be a licensed minister. You don't have to be an ordained minister. You don't have to be anything to marry people. Nobody's checking it. That's true. I'm telling you the truth. You know, and so, you know, the pastor, he just signs that thing and mails it in. And it goes in and it's recorded in the courthouse. You got married. Amen. But there's, we know there's more than that goes on. The state of Alabama don't care. Amen. Neither does any other state. They don't care. But in God, there's more than that going on. There's been a covenant here. And so the covenant is made with words. And we know that the ring that I have on my finger and that you have on your finger is a symbol of covenant, isn't it? That's what the ring is. It's a symbol of covenant. And then the sexual union is a, uh, a fulfillment of the covenant. Or they call what do they say? That the marriage has been consummated. Right? The sexual union is fulfillment there. And so when, when, when a husband and wife get up, and they, when a man and woman get up, and they speak vows, and they make covenant, then they have a sexual union. The, the, the covenant's been fulfilled. And then every time they have a sexual union, it's a constant reminder and a refreshing of that covenant. And so every marriage has to have sex. Amen? It does. We're not talking about that tonight, but I had to say that part. Because uh, we got to get to some other things. Now, the covenant can be broken. We can break covenant. We can break covenant with words. Amen? I divorce you. I broke my covenant. We could also break covenant with words that were not specifically, I get a divorce, I'm signing a paper, but literally with our words, break our covenant. We break a covenant when, when, when some one of the parties commits adultery, covenant has been broken. Okay? All right. Covenant is broken by desertion. If one of the parties deserts the other one, 
covenant has been broken. Why? Because I have committed a covenant that you, I am 100% yours. You're 100% mine. And I will stay and take care of you and, and see to you. So when I desert you, I've broke covenant with you. Amen? Do you all understand? And another, a failure to provide. You've broke covenant if you fail to provide for. And if the wife fails to provide her part, to provide the sexual part. If she fails to provide, she's broke covenant. Amen? Now, I mean, if she's in a coma or something, well, I mean, you know, we're not... Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there is grace for comas. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying. Or if he fails to provide uh, financially for her, he fails to provide shelter and food, and there is grace if he's in a coma. Well... You know what I'm saying there. You know, we're not... But, but if he's not in a coma, he better provide. I mean, amen? Hallelujah. So failure to provide, a man that refuses to provide, he's broken covenant. Amen? Isn't that right? Amen. Uh, failure to remain faithful to. Now you say, well, that's adultery. But not all adultery is done in bed with some other party. If I, don't, if, I am, if I do not uphold my partner, if I'm not faithful to him, I've broken covenant. And I tell you what, a lot of Christians break covenant with their partner right here. I mean, I, I, you don't know how many people I've known just since I've been pastoring, the women that would trash their husband in front of the other women, like in a women's meeting or something. But see, I didn't, that's not, that's not being faithful to. That's not being loyal to. You know, we read 1 Corinthians 13 last week. We read it in the Living Bible, and it says that, um, it says in, that love always remains loyal to, always believes the best and remains loyal to. I tell you, love also covers a multitude of sin. Love doesn't come to the ladies' meeting and, and break covenant by trashing that man. Now, I'm not saying that you don't ever share with someone, uh, and I might as well just cover this right here because I need to cover it, that if you've got a problem in your marriage, i tell you where you need to come. One place and one place only you need to go, and that's to your pastor. That is the only place. I want to tell you the number one place not to go is to your mother. <laughs> Women that go to their mother and tell them what he did and what he said and all this, they are breaking, they broke covenant. They have broke covenant, and they are, it is wrong. And I want to tell you something. I don't know if you figured this out yet, women, but blood's thicker than water. Y'all heard that saying? Does everybody know that saying? And I want to tell you something. There is no way. If I go to my mother and I said, Michael did this, and Michael said that, and he did this, there's no way she can get past it. She'll never be able to look at him the same. She will never. She will never. She can't do it. Why? But it wouldn't matter. I don't care if she's Holy Ghost filled, and I don't care if she's got a, a, a. I don't care if she's what, who, how spiritual that woman is. She can't do it. Why? Because of her blood relationship with you, and how much she loves you as her daughter. If somebody's done her daughter wrong, she'll never get over it. I want to tell you, I've my mother. As far as she knows, this man has never crossed me. As far as she's, she doesn't know anything. And that's how it ought to be. Amen. Amen. And before daughters leave home, mothers ought to teach their daughters. Now mama, even, and, and you know it's the same with the man. 
But women have a more a tendency to run home to mama. I, I believe there's more of a tendency there. But it's the same with the man. I tell you on our wedding day, right as soon as we said I do, and you know we were hugging everybody, my husband's mother said to me, I don't want him back. <laughs> she said, I don't want him back. And you know what? She meant it. I mean, now she was kind of laughing and everything, but she really meant it. I don't want him back. You know, I knew the same thing. I knew I wasn't welcome back. I knew my parents didn't want me back. You need to close that door. You don't need to be running home to mama. Amen? The only time you go home to mama is if it's completely over and you're not going back. You might go home and seek a shelter there in that sense. But just to go over there and cry on her shoulder... You're breaking covenant. That's not right. You're crying in the wrong place. Well, I don't, you need to go. There's one place to go. I tell you, and I, not many people know this about a pastor, but there is a gift of God in a pastor, and it is so supernatural, it even amazes me. And here's what the gift of God is, that Leanne could literally come to us and tell us, Myron is this, he did this, this is what he did to me. And you know what? The pastor has a gift of God to still see the potential of God and would not he would not he would not think different he would not look at Myron in an evil way or in a less than way it is so supernatural i didn't know this till we pastored but i'm telling you we've had now not Myron but we've had some sorry sorry old so and so's in our church and you know it's just amazed me how we would have a supernatural ability to believe to believe in them just to believe in them amen and you know what? Here's another thing. As pastor, once you join this church, did you know it, it is impossible for us not to love you? It is a gift of God. It is not us. It is superhuman. It is beyond us. Because we have had some dinghies. I'm telling you, we have had some dingy church members. I mean, we've had one that scared me, Lawrence. She's so wild-eyed, she scared me. I mean, one time before she joined the church, she came, she said, and then she came, she says, I'm moving back to Nebraska. And I thought, good. Because she was crazy. She was crazy. But she ended up moving back again, and she, and she joined our church. She joined our church. And I, I tell you, I was praying for her and her husband the other night, thinking, oh, I wish they'd moved to Alabama. I love her so much. I love her so much. Now, she is different, isn't she? She's different. I'm telling you, she's different. They cut her from a different mold. Amen? But there's a supernatural thing in pastors to love the strangest people, and even then just normal people, too. Like y'all, normal people like y'all. Amen. But some of the strangest people. See, that's the gift of pastors. So when you have a problem, where do you go? You go to the pastor. Amen. You don't go home to mama. And that's why you've got to have a good church. Amen. With a spiritual pastor. Hallelujah. Now that's true. So covenant can be broken. And you know what? There's probably people in... You know, when people have broken their covenant, even though they may not have got divorced and they're still living in the same house, there's going to be a hollowness. There's going to be an emptiness in their heart and a hollowness and their marriage is not going to ever... It's not going to be quite right. So what do you do if you got in the flesh and you, you did something wrong? Well, you restore your covenant by... Renew your covenant and restore it by words. You come back again and you recommit with your mouth to that woman or to that man. Repenting for what you did wrong. Taking responsibility and esteeming that marriage covenant. And you know, we need to do that with all of our covenants. We need to honor the words of our covenants. And when we do, God will honor us, okay? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Now we're talking about some other things in marriage tonight. 
actually some more uh, detailed things. These are so important. These are so, 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 so important that we have these things and we be wise in these areas. Now, nobody ever told me not to run to my mama and tell her the bad things about my husband. Something inside, I just knew I shouldn't do that. Amen? And that's not because she set that example. I just knew I shouldn't do it. I just knew that that, I, that, that, that that wouldn't be right. So you know what? I uphold him. Now, I may, we might fight like a cat and a dog behind a closed door. But I'm telling you, if I get out in front of somebody, I'm going to uphold him. Why? I'm loyal to him. We might, we'll, settle our, we'll settle whatever we, if we're having a tiff, we'll settle that. But I'm not ever going to put him in a bad light. And he's not ever going to put me in a bad light in front of other people. Not at work. How many people do you hear talking about their husbands and wives at work? You work out in public. Do people talk about their husbands and wives? They do. Amen. Amen. You shouldn't do that. Amen. I don't care what he, I don't care what he's like at home. Now, I'm not saying if you relate something funny or something like that. That's not, we're not talking about being in bondage, but I'm talking about sharing your personal problems. You know what I mean? Or talking about what he's helped, what, uh, uh, and I'm not talking about saying, well, now he always leaves his clothes laying in the floor. We knew that because most men do. I mean, you, this is not big revelation. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we hardly knew. We're not talking about things like that where you and the girls are saying, oh yeah, they always leave their clothes on the floor. That's not, that's not breaking covenant or ruining your husband. Amen. Nobody's going to think bad about him because his clothes are in the floor. Amen. But you know what I'm saying, don't you? Okay, I just want to clarify there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28. Now, we've been reading Ephesians 5 for a while, but let's, we never get down to this last part. So tonight we'll get down to the last part. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverences her husband. Now that word reverence, we'll just cover that right now, for the wife means to respect. And that's what we're talking about. Honor and respect, and you're not honoring and respecting him if you're going talking about him in the coffee shop. Amen? So there's an honor, and there's a respect. Amen? Do y'all see what I mean? And men, men need to be respected. That's their greatest need. Women need to be loved. Their greatest need is to be loved, to be shown affection, to be loved, to be adored. The woman wants to think she's the most special person in your life. And so you always want to treat her differently than you treat other women. Always treat her differently than you treat other women. Always better, always a step above. Even treat her better than you treat your mother. Amen. And you know, some men, because their mothers are old, I guess y'all think we're old. Do you think we're old? No, don't say that. <laughs> Pow. No. <laughs> no. But I mean, you know, you think, oh, well. And so they, they treat them with respect because of whatever, age or, or just, you know, there's this thing about the matriarch, the mother. You know, we reverence mothers in America. It is the biggest phone day of the year. It is. And one, one of the NASCAR guys said this, and I thought, this is true. You know, they don't do NASCAR on Mother's Day. Did y'all know that? 
They shut the whole race down every Mother's Day. Every other weekend, all spring and summer, we have NASCAR, but we don't have it on Mother's Day weekend. One of the drivers, I heard him on TV say this year, he said, in the South, on Mother's Day, you do whatever mother wants to do. It's very reverenced, especially in the South. Okay? And some cultures are very mother-oriented. The Spanish culture is extremely mother-oriented. You know, mother is everything. You know, and some cultures more than others. Is, do you all know what I'm saying? And so, but no matter how well you treat your mother, you ought to be treating your wife even better. And so, even so that she knows. Now, that don't mean you have to trash your mother just so you can, you know... <laughs> No, raise the level of your wife. Don't lower the level of your mother. Okay? <laughs> Amen? Raise the level of how you treat your wife and let her know that she's a, she's a step above. She's set apart. Don't look at women on TV and act like they're prettier than your wife. Never do that. She's the most beautiful. You just need... Oh, here's, let me tell you something. You need to make a decision right now. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. Don't matter how much she, if she puts on 35 more pounds, she's still the most beautiful woman in the world. If she loses 35 pounds, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. If her eyebrows fall out, she's the most beautiful. <laughs> if she dyes her hair green, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. You know what? It's a decision. She's it. And your feelings will follow. I mean, I hate to see men that say, well, I've lost interest in her because she gained weight. Well, you old carnal bum, you. You wasn't worth having. You don't look... I, wouldn't you hate to hear a woman say, I lost interest in him because he lost his hair. I mean, that would be the sorriest, low-lifest woman that would lose interest in a man because his head got bald. Wouldn't it, Florence? Would you agree? No, I, just, I, just, I didn't mean to look over there. But wouldn't that be sorry? I can't think of anything. That would be a sorriest woman on earth. That's nine to deserting your kids. Amen. So she is the most important, and she reverences her husband. Now, let's look in that verse up there in verse uh, 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall too shall be one flesh. Now, I looked this all up in the Greek, because I wanted to know. And I want to tell you something. That word man, this, this too, okay, for this cause shall a man. That word man there is not masculine. It is not a masculine word. It means human being. For this cause shall a human being leave his father and mother. Actually, it could read several ways. It could be, for this cause shall a human being leave his father and her mother. Or it could be her father and his mother. Because that word his there can be either feminine or... Uh, it can be either feminine or... What's that other word? Masculine. <laughs> I'm like, what's that? And also in the Greek, before the word that his is before father there that his is also, that same word is also before mother. So it's his or her mother and his or her father. So any one of the combinations, so when you, let, let me sum this up for you, honey. Both parties leave. It's not just he that leaves his father and mother. We have to leave. our. And it says, there's a process here. You leave and you are joined and then it says, there shall be one flesh. That's not a good translation. It's actually the word become shall become one flesh. You are not getting up here in front of this preacher and then going on a honeymoon three days later, you're one flesh. No, there's a process here. 
Because that really one flesh there, that word flesh, you know in the Bible where it says to be carnally minded? That's the same word. Carnally minded is the same word here for flesh. Actually, we're talking about here being of one mind. You shall become of one mind. You don't get to be of one mind in one day, do you? You become of one mind. Amen. And so there's a process here. There's the process of being joined, to leave, excuse me, and being joined. Now, so if you get out of the process and you get joined before you leave, then you're going to be out of order here. Amen. And you're never going to get to become one flesh as long as you hadn't left. Now, this happens a lot. Now, I've got a little demonstration for you here. Would you take that rubber band off of that, please? So I, because of my microphone. And we're going to do a little demonstration with these markers. Just a little demo here. And I'm going to have you hold these two. Just hold them up. You don't have to say anything or do anything. Hold these up. These markers. Okay, this is two families. This is the brown family. And this is the green family. Husband and wife, okay? Now, the green family has a daughter named Daisy. Okay? Now, the brown family has a son named Red. We're going to call him Red, okay? Okay, so... Red and Daisy come out here together and they exchange vows and they consummate this marriage and all of a sudden, see, they are one. They are, they're not red and yellow anymore. They're mixed together, aren't they? In fact, here's how it is. It's like swirl ice cream. I mean, you know, you keep coming together in that sexual union and you keep committing to each other and pretty soon you become one flesh. You get to be like swirled ice cream. You know, yellow and chocolate, you know, yellow, vanilla and chocolate swirled together where you can't tell where one starts and the other one begins. You couldn't separate swirl ice cream. If you had to, could you? So, you see, if I could bend these all around and I could bend it up so you couldn't, so that they were just all, and that's how you become. But I want to show you something that if, if Daisy, if Daisy, let's see, which one's, I don't know who's Daisy here. Anymore. See, I can't tell who's Daisy. I can't tell. But anyway, if Daisy didn't leave father and mother, we got something weird out here. If Daisy hasn't released father and mother, See, Daisy's got to completely leave, or we've got them. We get a jumbled up mess. And I tell you what else we get is we don't become one flesh. We don't become of one mind because God's not putting four together, He's putting two together. Or if Daisy, here, hold. If Daisy, she leaves father okay, but she can't let go of mom. God talk on the phone three or four times every day. Can't let mom go. Mom's too involved in the situation. Mom's, mom's married to them. Mom can't be married to you. Amen? Mom's got to be let, left behind. Or if we, okay, get over here, and we got a mama's boy, and he brings mama into the marriage. I'm telling you, you talk about a recipe for disaster. Amen? And, and you know, you say, well, this doesn't happen. I, I read Dear Abby and I read about stuff like this all the time where, where he does everything mama says. If he does everything mama says, mom's in the marriage. He calls mama all the time. You know, no, you know I love my son. I really enjoy talking to him. 
Oh, yeah, I think we about got this covered here. I really enjoy talking to him, and, and we, we occasionally exchange words on the telephone, but it'd be wrong for me to call him all the time and talk with him. You know, anything that leaves Chris out of the is wrong. Anything that would, you know, me and, it's me and him and leaves her out would be wrong. So what happened? Well, I had to raise him up and I had to release him. Now, when he was at Raymond and he wasn't married, we'd talk on the phone for an hour, sometimes two hours, if I was paying for it, and I was always paying for it. So, <laughs> and we'd talk on the phone, and we'd discuss his problems, and he, he'd, I'd counsel him, you know, and you say, well, don't you miss that? Well, yeah, I miss it. There's some things, yeah, I miss it. He don't miss it, maybe, but I miss it. There's some things about your kids growing up where you have to release. But I tell you what, you know what? I released, and guess what I got? I got Carter. Amen? There's benefits to letting go. And uh, besides all that, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, see, Mr. and Miss Brown here, now, you know, they got the kids raised. They're supposed to be kicking up their heels. Amen? They're supposed to, how many people get divorced when, when Daisy leaves home? Why? Because they had their whole life wrapped around Daisy. You know, Pastor and I used to do when our kids were little. Now, we adored our kids. They may not realize it. They may not think we treated them that way. But I'm telling you, we adored these kids. We enjoyed them. We loved them. We thought they was the cutest things. We thought they was the smartest things. We thoroughly enjoyed our kids. One reason we were able to enjoy them so much is because they behaved. We made them learn. We taught them to behave, and we could literally take them anywhere. And they would not disturb or cause a problem. They, they would be enjoyable no matter where you took them. And I'm talking at a very early age. To this day, my children have never had to go to the bathroom, not once in church. Your children are just going back there to play. The ushers tell us what they do in the bathrooms. That's all they're going back there for. There's not one child unless they have a bladder problem that has to go to the bathroom in church. They're going back there. The ushers tell us. They go in there. They play. They flip on the lights. They play in the commode. They do all sorts of stuff. They even drink communion juice out of the refrigerator. They do all sorts of stuff like that. Really. Because, because parents let them do it. And they do it because they're bored. Amen. And they hadn't been taught, no, you're going to sit here. Now they could do that at school. Now we made them potty before they went to church, if, if y'all have to know that. I know they love for me to tell you. <laughs> but where was I, Pastor? <laughs> now, okay. But anyway, we enjoyed them. We thoroughly enjoyed our kids. Why was my point? Help me with my point. That must have been the point. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the, it wasn't the point, and I'll get to the point in a minute. Huh? Okay, we enjoy our kids, but we've got to let them go. We've got to let them leave. We've got to let them cleave. And now the center of my relationship... Oh, I was going to tell you this part. Uh, it, the, our relationship, we're having the time of our life. We're getting to, you know, you don't have to do, you don't have to cook, you don't have to have meals, you don't have to... You're, 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 it's a whole new level of freedom. And it's lots more fun than when you first married because you got a lot more money than when you first got married. You didn't, you didn't even, you, you was free when you was first married. You didn't have any kids, but you didn't have any money. You couldn't have done anything if you wanted to. You had to live on love, didn't you? 
Amen. I mean, that's the most, that's the only thing. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. So it's just so much fun. It's, it's just, but anyway, Pastor and I disciplined ourselves when we would go out. Now, we had a lot of grandparent support around us. My kid, when Colin was born, he had eight grandmothers, seven grandfathers. All the great, my great grandmother was alive. His great grandmother was alive. We had grandmother support. We had to say, no, not this weekend. They need to stay home for a change. I mean, that was how much, there was always a bid in for Colin and Eric to come to our house. And so, so if we want to go out to eat, it was simple. Just call a grandmother, you know. And so we, we would do that and we would go out to eat and we would have a thing. It's like, okay, we cannot talk about the children or the church. You need to do that, because if you don't, the day the children leave, you won't have anything to talk about with your husband, because you hadn't talked about anything in 20 years. In 20 years, y'all have never had a conversation that wasn't, well, what the kids said. Now, we loved our kids, and we had to do that because we found ourselves wanting to talk about that. We also found if we weren't talking about that, we was talking about some church member or the church or something like that, and we never talked about us and our hearts and our dreams and stuff. You're, 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 you've got to be a unit. And you've got to let your kids know. I've told my kids before, they can vouch for this, that I've said, no, this is the man I'm loyal to. I, I, don't, I choose him. He's, he's first above y'all. I've told them that. You say, well, what's the use? They need to know. because And you know what I would tell them? I'd say, you know why that he's first above y'all? Because one day... No matter how much you say you love me now, one day you'll leave me. And I don't care how much your little darling says they love you. Eric, when he was little, made all sorts of commitments to live with us till he was 40. He told us. He said, I'm gonna, I, Mama, I'm going to live with you till you're 40. Till I'm 40, not till you're 40. <laughs> uh, he's going to live with us till he's 40. But you know, I knew in my heart he's going to break that commitment. I knew it when he was saying it that he wasn't going to follow through on that. I knew when he did. He thought girls were ooh yuck, and and he went through it. He did, and he went through it. Ooh, girls yuck. They got cooties, you know. Uh, <laughs> I knew one day that something would kick in, and that would all change. All it takes is a few hormones, and uh, girls are all of a sudden not ooh yuck anymore. Then they just become okay, and then before long, they're more than okay. You know what I'm saying? And some boys, it takes a long time to get past the ooh-yuck stage. They, things don't kick in as fast as on some boys, you know? But I knew the commitment was going to change, and I knew that this is the man that would never leave me if I'd stay loyal, if I'd put him first. Amen? And you know what? I let my mom and dad know, too. There's been times with both my mom or dad, I can't even remember which one. One time I know I had to say, don't make me choose, because you'll lose. See, sometimes mothers want to make you choose. The devil can get in, you know what I'm saying, to relationships. I remember, and I remember one time having to say to my parents a long time ago, don't tell me anything. You, I you know, they want to say, don't, I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell Michael. I had to say, no, don't tell me anything. I can't tell Michael. I'm not going to have any secrets from him. I'm not going to have any secrets. None of your secrets. Not, I don't have any secrets from this man. Nothing. Nothing. Not one secret. Hallelujah. Y'all understand? I have a covenant. I don't have a covenant with my parents. I honor my parents, but I don't have a covenant with them. You know what? I don't owe my parents anything for raising me. Colin and Eric don't owe me anything for raising me. Amen? All God's asked them to do for me now is honor me. Amen? 
I pray and believe for them to honor me. I pray. Father, I thank you that Colin and Eric... I want them to honor us, but that's all they owe me. They don't owe me anything else. Amen? You don't owe your mother caring for her. Sometimes mothers won't lay that trip on you, but you don't owe that to her. You owe, owe that to her, but you do owe her honor. And don't tell you something, you owe her honor if she is the sorriest old bag that ever walked around. I don't care how sorry she was. God still wants you to honor her. I don't care how she doesn't deserve it. I'm going to tell you something else. That I know not only does he have, not only does, does, do I have to honor my father and mother, God expects him to honor my father and mother. And I'm going to tell you something. He expects me to honor his father and mother. I'm going to tell you something else. You say, well, yeah, but you're there. You, we have every reason. Every, we have three sets of parents, which Michael says ought to be against the law to have two mother-in-laws. But he has two mother-in-laws. And, and all three of them, we love with all our heart. We honor them continually. But all three of them at different times in the 28 years that we've been married have given us big reasons to walk away and never come back and not honor them at all. That's right. Because all, all three sets at some point have gotten major into the flesh. You know, mamas get in the flesh and talk out of their head instead of their heart. And they can sin big. But that does not give us a right not to honor. And we've taught our children, they know, because there's been times, because when, and the reason there was a lot of this is because my parents through when it went through a really messy divorce. I'm talking nasty. And so people got nasty. And they, when people get nasty, they sometimes get nasty with people that aren't even to blame. You know what I'm saying? And so there was a time when things got nasty. And you know, my kids were subject to it sometimes. They saw it, but we've always encouraged them, and we've, they've seen us honor our parents over and over, and they know that, that they're to honor their grandparents and to, to love their, and they do, they love their grandparents, and, and you know, there's not, oh, you, people doing right is not the qualification for you doing right. You do right simply on raw faith. God said, okay? So these are things that will make you, these are things that will make marriages better. You know, if I hated his mother, it's going to make our marriage hard. Amen? Or if he hated my mother, oh God, the mother-in-law's coming. Well, he's never done that. He's never done that. It didn't matter how she acted. And she's acted some ways, I'm telling you. You know, the Bible doesn't say, but there's an old saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It's true. It's true. I mean, and it was hell. But, you know, thank, now thank God, God in His love and mercy and grace has worked all of that out. And He has given me awesome step-parents. If we had to have a divorce in the family, my step-parents love my kids more than they love their own grandkids. And it's, it's openly known. One reason they do is because their grandkids don't behave. My, grand, my kids behaved. And so it's, you know, it's just easy to love kids that are obedient and well-behaved and sweet and speak to adults. You know, it's easy to love kids like that. So the grandparents, so God, God did an awesome work of restoration. Now, loyalty, we're talking about being loyal and honoring here, and I might as well just go into this. My grandmother... 
uh, was an awesome, awesome woman of God. And she set such a marvelous example through that divorce of, of not choosing. See, that was my dad's mother. And my, my mom didn't really have any parents. But my grandmother stood by my mother. Even, now she didn't desert her son, but she stood by my mother. And Joe is my daughter-in-law. And it doesn't matter, you know, divorce or not. And she stood, she stood by her till the day she died. It was, and when my dad married, remarried and married Rita, she, still, she had two daughter-in-laws. She had Joe and she had Rita. You know, and, there were, and I'm not saying she tried to mix the two. And you know what else? She so stood by my mother that when my mother remarried, she took her husband in too and just loved him. My grandmother knew an awesome truth. You know, family, you can't, you can't run out of love. There is a never-ending fountain. There's enough for everybody. Some people piece their little love out, just like, well, my family, you know, my kids, my grandkids, us four, no more. No, there's an awesome well inside of us. You can't give too much away. You will never run out. You, you, can, you can take everybody in to your love. Amen? There's enough. Amen? And these are, good, these are things that really affect our marriages. And you know what else they affect? They affect our health. And I'll tell you what else they affect. We Prosperity is mine. They affect our prosperity. They affect our prosperity greatly. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. Now that doesn't mean we don't leave. That doesn't mean we don't speak straight up to our mothers and our dad. When our mothers interfere in our marriages, if my mother was to ever say something bad about him, and listen to you, you only have to let them know this one time. I'd be in her face so big. And it wouldn't be dishonoring. And you know what? You only have to do that one time. And you know what? If, if Norma was to ever say anything about me, he'd be all over her. And that wouldn't be dishonoring. That'd be the right thing to do. Amen? Now, when your parents know that, they're not going to... And that doesn't mean that your mother can't ask you now, Michael, I don't understand, Debbie. Could you explain? You know, sometimes mothers need you to help them understand situations. How people, there's new, I'm, but we're talking about being critical. We're talking about being aggressive. And there's got to be a loyalty there. I mean, I got, if, I, if he don't fight for me, how will I ever trust him to take care of me? Amen. I expect him to, you know, if, if a man attacks me in the alley, I don't expect him to stand there and just let me work it out. I expect him to do something. And if, 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 if somebody else attacks me, even if it's in his family, now you know what? You say, well, but you know, I'm sure that not everybody in his family, I don't know if they like me or not. I've never asked. You know, that's not even an issue. Amen. We're married. We're married. And nobody or nothing is coming in between this marriage. Hallelujah. We guard it very carefully in those areas. Praise God. <clears throat> so leaving is important. Turn, let's see. Well, we're 830. Keep going, he said. 1 Corinthians 7. We'll just cover a little bit more. And then we'll let go. Just a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 7. So you need to get these things straightened out because prosperity depends on it. Health depends on it. Um, have, you, you can have doors open to the devil. 
When we, when we are disobedient to the Word of God and we don't do what the Word says, when we don't walk in love, we've stepped into the devil's territory. Brother Hagen taught us that. One step out of love is stepping into the devil's territory. So I've got to walk in love. I've got to walk in love with my mother-in-law. I've got to walk in love. Now, you know, did, did, has she ever done anything bad? Well, yeah. But I still, see, i got more revelation than she's got. I got more. I know more. I got, I'm more responsible to walk in love. I know more about the word than she knows. I'm the responsible one. I'm the one God's holding responsible. Why? Because I'm the one with revelation. You're the one here with revelation. And you know, sometimes we expect people to act like we would act when they don't have any revelation of the word of God. They are jerked up by the hair of their head. They don't know how to act like Christians. They're not taught. They may be saved, but barely. You know, they don't have... Or maybe they're not even saved. And we expect them to act like Christians. Now, that's stupid, isn't it? We really do. It's like, well, I just can't understand why they act that way. Well, their father is the devil if they're not Christians. And if they're Christians, they just don't have a renewed mind. And I'll tell you something else. Hurting people always hurt other people. And if you can get a hold of that, when somebody lashes out at you, says the ugliest thing in the world to you, they're hurting. And they're talking out of their head. They're talking out of their head. And you know what else? You talk out of yours sometime. But see, we overlook ours. But we hold everybody else like, bless God, you'll pay. You won't ever see me again. I'll never darken your door. I'm telling you, you can't get by with that. You hadn't gotten by with it. You may think you got by with it, but you didn't get by with it. Amen? That's true. Okay, Ephesians chapter, no, 1 Corinthians 7. And let's read here for a minute. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come to Together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment, for I would that all men were, even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. And But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, so the Lord hath called every one. So let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. Okay, so we've got a lot, a lot, a lot of information about marriage here. A whole bunch. So let's see if we can condense it pretty quickly. Okay, first of all, he says... um, 
Now, if you do, he talks about uh, every man having his gift. In other words, there are men that God has gifted to, and women whose God has gifted to be eunuchs. In other words, they're gifted of God to not have any sexual uh, drive, and so they have a gift to be a eunuch. And so if you have that gift, then don't marry. It would be wrong to marry if you have that gift. Amen? Because you're supposed to render to your wife due benevolence. And so uh, there are people that God has gifted that way. But he, what he says here is walk in your gift. If you've got a sexual drive, then you need to marry. Unless you can contain yourself. If you don't desire to marry and you can contain yourself, then you don't have to get married. Amen? In other words, you can control that sexual drive without sinning, without fornication. You don't have to marry. Marriage is not a law. But if you cannot contain the sexual drive, then you need to marry. Amen? It's real simple. Amen? Just everybody catch. Everybody give me some feedback here. Okay. Now, if you marry, the Bible says that the husband has to render to the wife due benevolence, the wife to the husband due none of that benevolence. And there's only one reason, he says, that you can set aside this due benevolence, which is the sexual relationship, for a season. That's fasting and prayer. That disqualifies everybody in here. So, because nobody in here is going into any seasons of fasting and prayer for any length of time that would keep you from uh, your sexual relationship, okay? And so we can just move right on. Hallelujah. But this right here shows us that even as the Catholics teach that the priest cannot marry is wrong. In fact, the Bible says not to forbid to marry. I mean, we got to read different parts different ways. And you know what Catholic priests end up doing? They end up committing fornication. Most of the time, that's what you hear about it. And so um, I actually heard that the the, the Pope is thinking about letting the priests marry now. Since God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, He changed His mind 2,000 years after the... Does this make sense to y'all? Amen. No, it's not. There's no sense in it, is there? Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay, now let's get down to verse 12. We've kind of covered all that thing, uh, all of that part. Um, it says it's better to marry than to burn. Um, and then He says uh, in, uh, in verse 12... He's talking, um, let's start in verse 10. And unto the married I command yet not I, but the Lord let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and and let not the husband put away his wife. Okay, he's just telling us, what he's telling us is we don't just depart from our husband and wife. We don't just decide we're going to depart. Amen? We're not to do that. We're not to just decide that, that, okay, I just don't, I'm just not fulfilled here. This just isn't working. You know, we're not to just decide for no reason that we're going to depart. And everybody, pretty much, if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to know that. Hallelujah. And another thing it's saying in verse 11 is not for her not to depart in order to remain unmarried. Uh, Excuse me. For her, I said that wrong. For her not to depart in order to remarry. In other words, if that's her motive for departing, if, he, if she's going to depart, let her remain unmarried. Let's test motives here. Let's test some motives here. Okay, you, you depart, then you remain unmarried. Now we're talking about just departing for no reason. See, what he's saying here is a lot of times when a woman gets ready to depart, she's already got the backup on the burner. Or if he decides to depart, a lot of times he's already got the backup on the burner. See, that, that should never be a motive of a Christian to depart. Because I found the backup. Amen? Now, God is not against divorce. In the church, we're not, this is not Old Covenant, 
And God is not for divorce. He's not pro-divorce. But God is not, He is not against divorce in every case. Okay? There are cases where divorce. We know that's true because he goes on down here and he says, if the unbelieving wife depart, let her depart. Amen? Let her go. And you know what he says? You're free. Don't try to get... If you've got an unbelieving wife and she departs, don't try to get her back. Amen? It says, if, she, if the unbelieving husband depart, let him go. You're free. Amen? You're free. You've been, your covenant is over. You're free to remarry. Amen? If he depart. Now, isn't that what it says? That's exactly what it says. It says there, and, to, and the woman, verse 13, which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Now, if he's, if he, he, just because he's not saved, don't throw him overboard. Just because she's not saved, don't throw him overboard. He says if, if they're unbelieving, they're not even a believer, but they're pleased to dwell with you. And right there, you need to underline that because that is the key statement in all of these verses is if he be pleased to dwell with her. See, if a man is pleased to dwell with me, he's, he may not know all that. He may not be a Christian. He may not know how to love me like Christ loved the church, but he's going to treat me decently. He's not going to be beating me. If he beats me, he's not pleased to dwell with me. If he doesn't support me, he's not pleased to dwell with me. If he's seeing other women, he's not pleased to dwell with me. Amen? See, that is a key right there. That's a key. And it says on down there, it says, God has called us to peace. You can't be at peace in a home where the husband's beating you. You can't be at peace in the home where the husband's endangering the children. You can't be at peace in a home where he, he won't get up and go to work. He won't support you. Amen? You can't be at peace in that. You can't be at peace in a home where a man's sleeping around. Now, I will tell you, adultery's forgivable. Adultery is forgivable. And I, and I believe in wives forgiving their husbands of adultery. I believe in husbands forgiving their wives of adultery. But I will tell you, we forgive them... And, and if they're truly repentant, they're not back out there the next week. Amen. Amen? And they've left it behind. And they're going to be... Now, now I'm not saying that, that, that there's going to be a process. The vows are going to have to be renewed because the covenant's been broken. And then there's going to become a process again of becoming one flesh again. Amen? Amen? We're going to have to go through process. He can't expect if he's committed adultery to come right back in the next day and you forgive him and you act just the same. He's going to have to walk through a process. Now, I'm not saying she's going to make him jump through hoops and prove himself and all that, but I'm telling he's going to have to be so repentant that he's willing to, to give her some time for restoration there, to give the marriage some time for restoration there. Amen? So when there's a repentant heart, adultery is forgivable. Some women get stubborn and won't forgive when God would like to put the marriage back together. Amen. Amen? God would restore. A lot of times adultery, when a man commits adultery, it's the woman's fault. If she's not rendering due benevolence, she's, the Bible says there that he's going to be tempted. There's women out there. If, if your husband works in a workplace, there's somebody hitting on him. That's why I keep mine at the church. <laughs> and I stay. I work here with him. Amen. I mean, it's good. I mean, now if you send him to an all male job or something, that's great. That's great. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if she works, if she works in the workplace in this day, somebody's going to be hitting on her. 
You know what I'm saying? Now, a woman and a man both conduct themselves in a way not to invite those invitations. Let me tell you something. If somebody hits on you more than once, you're inviting it. I'm going to just tell you, by your dress or by the way you're acting, my mama told me. Now, she didn't have any big spiritual revelation, but she said, don't you ever laugh at a man's dirty joke. Now, she taught me this when I was a little girl fixing to be a teenager. Don't you ever laugh at a man's dirty joke. I've played dumb so many times in high school. Like I, they thought I was the class idiot when it came because I didn't. I was just like I just look at them with a blank look on my face. And I've worked at a place. I worked at a salt plant that was all men. I was the only woman. You got to conduct yourself in a way. You see, you can send off signals either way. Amen. And you may not any, ever intend to play around. But you may be just feeding some sort of insecurity that you have that you just like people to think you're pretty. Well, you'll open yourself up. And I'm telling you what, Satan will set a trap for a man. He'll set a trap for a woman too. He will. He'll set a trap. He will purposely send a woman. Uh, uh, and that's why you keep your marriage. You keep his tank so full. I talked to you about that. You keep his tank so full. And you keep her tank so full. Now, his tank's different than her tank. You keep, his tank has to do with sex. Her tank has to do with, uh, uh, like we talked about, adoring her and thinking she's... Listen, if you adore her and think she's gorgeous, she won't matter to her much what everybody else thinks. Good or bad. Good or bad, it won't matter too much. And I'm telling you, it won't look... Even he can go down to Panama City on the beach and he can look at all of that. And if you've got his tank full enough, it won't matter too much. He'll be more just shocked than anything. Good Lord, did you see that? You know, I mean, you know, he may be shocked, but he's not going to be, oh, wow, you know, and following something down the beach. Amen. Amen. It's true. It's true. And, in, you know, this isn't like it was in the 1700s. You didn't have to guard your man as much. you got to guard him now. Well, I tell you now, I'll flip channels. I don't let him sit there and look at Victoria's Secret ads or something. We, and he'll, I'll flip the channel real fast and he'll say, what was that? He'll just do it to aggravate me. And I'll say, you can't see that. Amen? You can't see that. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. So uh, being pleased to dwell. Being pleased to dwell. If he's pleased to dwell with you, if he's not a believer, stay. He's not pleased to dwell with you. If he's treating you badly. Now, I believe we throw things around too much. You know, they, people, women and, 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 you know, I watch enough to, and read enough in the newspaper and read enough Dear Abby to know that women, and they throw around, well, he's verbally abusing me. Well, I know that there is verbal abuse. But some of what they call verbal abuse, you know, they call paddling your kids abuse too, and it's not. Amen. And some of the things, so we, you know, amen. Praise God. You know what I'm talking about. Women that cry wolf. And I'm not saying that their feelings aren't hurt, but him hurting your feelings is not verbal abuse. Do you know what I mean? And her hurting your feelings is not verbal abuse. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, being pleased to dwell. And that's the answer right there. That's the answer right there. And we shouldn't be real quick to condemn people that have been divorced. In fact, we shouldn't condemn them at all. Amen.
And we shouldn't. And, and, and look there in verse uh, uh, 17, and we'll close with this. And we'll pick up next week. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all the churches. Now Paul said he, adorned, he, ordained, he ordains them, even if they're divorced. <coughs> he ordains them if they're divorced. Now there's churches that you can't even be a member of if you're divorced. There, I, I know a woman that's been divorced many years from an abusive relationship and, ra and raised four kids on her own and done a really good job and supported four kids and really well. And, you know, she's in a church. And this church says she can never remarry. She can never remarry. Because she departed. It said if, if she depart, let her not remarry. Isn't that what we read up there? If she don't, don't let her leave, but if she does leave, then let her remain unmarried. And so this woman, all these years, has because she wants to be a part of this church. And then there's churches that won't marry you if you've been divorced. I know we have them come to us when we were in Seminole and, and come and actually ask pastor to marry them and then stay in our church because the church they were in wouldn't, wouldn't marry them. It's like we'd rather you live together. Now, isn't that dumb? And especially since Paul said here, he said, I ordain, you know. See, God is a now God. And He's not really concerned about the past. Where are you now? He's found, he, now, now, where are you now? The past is not a big deal to God. Where are you now? Where are you now? See, God, if you'll start now and go forward, He can do anything. He can fix anything. He can restore anything. Isn't that right? Praise God. And so, you know, and then sometimes they won't let you be a preacher in some churches if you've ever been divorced. The poor old Brother Copeland, he's not anointed, is he? He's just not anointed. Have y'all noticed how unanointed he is? Have y'all ever noticed that? Why, my goodness, I don't know how. He, he, he's not anointed. I don't know how he thinks he can have this worldwide ministry because he doesn't even have the anointing of God on his life. How can he have a million partners? He doesn't have an anointing. How could he? Well, isn't that the stupidest thing you ever heard of? See, we've been, uh, instead of being word taught, we've been religiously brainwashed. Amen? Well, he just proved them all wrong. Besides all that, the old man's dead. Amen? The old man's dead. The old man's dead. Isn't that the truth? Well, we'll, go, we'll cover some more next week. Pastor just says keep going on marriage. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, y'all stand up together.